<coughs> and um, I'm going to deal with a topic today that I know a lot of times uh, I have had times, let me put it this way, in my life that I've struggled with this. Uh, there are times that uh, trials come into our life, and it's difficult sometimes to know um, what is God doing uh, through this trial. Uh, years ago, I, I preached a message um, on am I a Job or am I a Jonah? And both of them had devastating things happen to them. One was because they were faithful. The other one was because they were not faithful. And each of them were being dealt with by God, uh, but for two completely different reasons. And I think it's very important for us to know when trials come our way uh, that we understand, is this God's um, testing and trying and proving of our faith, or is this God's chastening? And uh, I'll tell you this, both are needful. Uh, and so I don't know that we look at one or the other and say uh, one is better than the other. I'm glad for both of them. I don't like either of them. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense or not. But uh, the truth is when we see the results of what God does through it, we're thankful for that. We just don't like the process of what it takes to get there. Amen? And uh, so we're going to talk about some things this morning, or this afternoon, I guess, regarding uh, what what is God doing through these trials? Why is He? What, what can we gain from these these things that come along that are either His chastening or His trying of our faith? The Bible says that the trying in the Book of James, the trying of our faith, worketh patience, and that we're to let patience have her perfect work in us, or the maturing work. Uh, the fact that we grow in the grace. You know, Brother Keith was saying just a moment ago. I'm glad to be an adult, and I understood what he was trying to say by that. Uh, we've matured, haven't we? And as we grow in the Christian life, hopefully we're maturing spiritually. Uh, I've met um, some folks in my lifetime. Uh, in fact, there's, there was a period of time in my life, uh, sad to say, that I had not grown at all spiritually. And I look back on some things and I'm embarrassed at some of my Christian life in the past. And yet I'm thankful that God gave me recognition of that. And while I'm not perfect at it, my heart's desire is that we grow daily and that I grow daily. And I don't always succeed in it, but it's something that I long for. And uh, there are times that, no doubt, uh, we're on mountaintops, spiritually speaking. And there are times, no doubt, we are in the valleys, spiritually speaking. And, uh, and again, I don't know that uh, either one of them are not needful for us. I think we have to have both in order to appreciate the other. And uh, so I, I certainly want us to uh, have a heart that longs to be drawn closer uh, to what God wants us to be, that we continually in the Christian life be growing and maturing and becoming more Christ-like as we go along. I know we'll never quite make it, uh, but Paul said that he still pressed for the mark, even though Paul understood, I'm not going to attain while I'm here in this life. But that's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep pressing and pressing and pressing for that mark and putting forth the effort. And so I want to encourage you in that today. And I want us to look at, I'm going to give you five things today <clears throat> that are uh, things that we can gain from walking through the valley or through the trials. Okay, and we're, going to, we're going to generalize the word trials here to include both the trying of our faith and the chastening. Okay, Because both of them 
are, are profitable to us, and both of them will help to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first one we're going to find this afternoon is in Psalm 119, and uh, we're going to look in verse number 67. Psalm 119 and verse number 67. It's amazing in each of these little octets that, uh, that David writes in this particular psalm, uh, almost without exception, all of them have a point of, uh, of, of a, a valley or a point of uh, affliction is the word he uses in this particular one. And then he has a point of victory and what is gained by it. And you'll find that almost invariably it's God's word that is the benefit to him. Now we find in verse number 67, he says this, Before I was afflicted, I went what? What is it? Psalm 119.67. Are we all there? All right. We went astray. But notice this, but now, what do we mean by now? This was before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, after the affliction, can we, can we assume that's what he's speaking of here at this point? Now, after the affliction, now, he says, have I what? Have I what? Kept thy word. Can I tell you this, that when, many times when trials come our way, whether by chastening or by trying of our faith, either one, that many times when the trying of our faith comes along, it is for the purpose of drawing our wayward hearts back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, back to the point of saying, Lord, I want to follow your word. We talked this morning about uh, the battle of the Christian life in our Sunday school class being the battle between my will and God's will. And that is the constant struggle between the old man and the new nature. And, and the idea being that if we can gain victory in this area, we'll have victory in all other areas of our life. And uh, so this, this constant struggle takes place. And there are times that it is needful for the Lord to afflict us for no other reason than to take us from the wayward condition that we are in and to draw us to Him. Now, I say that because, and I want to clarify this, that we live in a day where many times when these trials come our way, even among people who name the name of Christ and claim to love the Lord, the typical response to these valleys today, in the day that you and I sit here, is to blame God and to get bitter at God and sad to say, more times than not, I have watched as those that name the name of Christ have departed from God because of the affliction. Because, and let me just say this, uh, there used to be a time when we understood the chastening. But we live in a society where even, <laughs> we don't believe in chastening anymore, okay, with regards to our, our, even our own families, Amen, Brother Harold? <laughs> you know, I've had talks about this a few times. But seriously, are we not living in that day and age? Well, don't punish your children. You might squelch their personality is what you hear. And so we live in a society, in a culture, even among Christian people who do not understand the benefit of chastening. And because of that, even our Christian hearts have lost the, the effectiveness and the reason for chastening. And because of that, we look at our chastening, or we look at the valley, or we look at the, as the psalmist would say, let's use the Bible word here, affliction, as God being mean and a bully to us. And, uh, and I'm somebody, and who does God think He is 
putting me through this. And while we would never say it that way, because we would uh, certainly not have the arrogance to say it that way, by our actions, that's really what we're thinking. We are departing from God and blaming God and getting bitter at God instead of rejoicing in the chastening, rejoicing in the affliction, knowing that whether by trying of our faith or by chastening, it is going to be for our good and for His glory. And so we've got to come to this understanding that when these valleys come, while we may not like them, we can rejoice in them. In fact, in the Bible says that we're to give thanks in all things, doesn't it? And we can even thank Him for the afflictions because we realize, as Paul did, that it is that trying of our faith, it is that weakness that is shown to us that causes us to run to Christ, not away from Him. To, to run to Him and to cling to Him as our source of strength and as the only one that will be able to sustain us through the valley. It is absolutely amazing and appalling to me in the day that we live to see how many people and families that go through trials that are in our churches and the first thing you know, the first thing they do when the trial comes is they quit going to church. They quit talking with the Lord. They quit spending time with Him. They quit reading their Bibles. And they go through life trying to, uh, to uh, blame God for all of the problems and all of the afflictions. Why can we not, as God's people, rejoice in them? Why can we not come to it and say uh, that whether by the trying of our faith or by the chastening, I'm thankful that God is doing this because it will help me and it will glorify Him. So the first reason we see that God brings us through these valleys is to draw us closer to Him. Miss Drury, I think, sang it this morning. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice. And it told thy love to me. Draw me nearer. Is that the one she sang this morning, I think? Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. And all of that ought to be the desire of our hearts. You remember back when you first got saved? How excited you were. Man, you wanted to learn about God. You wanted to love God. You wanted to, man, it was just, you were excited. And do you know that it is possible, even among godly people, who go through the, the uh, time of, of, of devotion every day and, and go through the time of being faithful to church and around God's people, do you know it is possible for you and I to lose that fervor and that zeal and that excitement? In fact, the psalmist said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. <laughs> Meaning I had it before and I have lost it and I need it back and I long for it to be back. One of the great purposes of the trials that come into our life is to draw our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have lost the idea of responding appropriately to God's acting in our lives. We believe in our minds and our hearts that God is a provident God. That His will is going to be done and that we long for His will to be done. And yet there are times that when He brings things into our lives, we have a difficult time with it. Years ago, my dad preached a message and he ended up putting the message into a book form, a booklet form for people to, 
read, and literally I think many, many hundreds of folks over the years have been helped by the book. And uh, the title of the message was, It's Okay to Ask Why. And in fact, we ought to, shouldn't we? Now, I'm not talking about in a rebellious way. I'm not talking about the smart, aleck, arrogant way that sometimes little kids are like, Why, Dad? Why should I do that? But in a genuine sincerity that when God brings things into our lives, we come to Him and say, Lord, what is it you're trying to teach me here? Why is this happening to me right now? I wish I could learn things without Him having to bring those things into my life sometimes. But, you know, God knows me better than I do. And He knows that sometimes the only way that I'm going to learn this truth is by Him putting me through the things He puts me through. And with that in mind, I can be thankful. Amen? And so can you. It draws us closer to Him. Let's look secondly at Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter number 25. Why else does God afflict us? Why is there times that we go through uh, His allowing our bodies to be afflicted or our hearts to be afflicted? Psalm 25 and verse number 4. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. The idea that there are times God puts us through testing to purify us. Hold your place here in Proverbs 25. Let's look in Hebrews 12 for a moment. I'll give you several verses on this one. Uh, Because, again, this is a difficult subject to deal with. A lot of people struggle with God bringing affliction into their life. And yet, so often, it, it is so needful to us. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 11. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 11 He says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Would you agree with me on that? Anybody here like to be chastened? (laughs) Not me. I do not like it. Uh, But the Bible says, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of what? Of what? Righteousness. Unto them which are exercised. Therein, some of us need to be exercised in chastening. Amen. It's not. It's not pleasant. It is needful. Why? Because it purifies us. It brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. Notice also in Job twenty-three and verse number ten. It's a very, very familiar passage. Many people have have uh, memorized this particular verse, and a, a verse that really. Um, is a is a verse to cling to and a promise to cling to uh, when it comes to this thing of trials in our lives. Job 23, verse number 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Aren't you glad that God brings us through the trials to purify us? We can rejoice in them, can't we? All right, number three. First of all, it's to draw us back to Him. Secondly, to purify us. This one I, I, I hold very dear to my heart because it took me a long time to learn this one. I wish I could have learned it quickly because, boy, I sure did not enjoy the pain I went through for it. But God showed it to me one day, and it was as clear as clear could be. Second Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 4. I'm going to back up. Verse, let's go to verse 3 for a minute and come into verse 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of mercies, and the God of all what? Comfort. Now notice he says this. Who comforteth us in our tribulation. Who is that? Who's comforting us in our tribulation? God is, right? Is there a better comforter in this world than God? Is there any comforter in the universe than God? He is the great comforter, isn't he? And he comforts you and he comforts me in our affliction. Now notice here he says why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in what? Any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You know a third reason why God puts us through the valleys? So we can help somebody else going through the valleys. Man, I tell you, it took me so long to learn that. I wept so many tears that I thought I didn't. In fact, I'll tell you this. When my dad went through what he went through when he got his cancer and passed away, I'll tell you this, I ran out of tears. I got to the point, literally, I I was all cried out. I, I couldn't cry anymore. My heart was just lost. It was broken. And it wasn't so much broken that God was taking my dad because I knew he was saved and on his way to heaven and, and I certainly had peace about that. What broke my heart was the way that it happened. That, that God would allow him to suffer for ten months the way that he suffered. Unbearable suffering. And I sat there and I wept and I even got to the point where I was praying, Lord, just take him. Don't let him go through this. And it was... About six months later, after my dad passed away, I learned this lesson. Because in the first 12 months after my dad died, I sat at the bedsides of four families that went through the same thing. And I could weep with them. And I could comfort them. And I could share things with them that God gave me to help me through that time. That I'll be real honest with you. Had I not gone through what I went through in our family, I could have never been a help to those folks. There's been other heartache in my life, unbearable heartache. That I, when I went through it, I wept and I sat. I, I've sat many nights over in this house next door weeping, saying, Lord, why? Why? Only to realize that there have been now several families that I've been able to help that are going through the same thing. You ever thought that there are times God puts you through some things that you think, boy, I don't understand. Only to find out that God needed you to go through that so you could help somebody else. You ever thought of that? I think sometimes we get so... I hate to use this word, but so egocentric that it becomes all about us. My suffering, my pain. And we keep it all funneled in right here. And even after the valley is over, many times we never say, now what can I do to help someone else? We just kind of keep it all bottled up. Why not take the pain we just went through? The valley that God gave so much grace to get through. And say, let me go find somebody I can help. I mean, we could share things with them that will be an encouragement that God has comforted us with. 
There are times that there are valleys there. I wish I could have learned that at a much younger age and with a lot less pain. But when those trials come now, they're no less painful, but they're so much easier to give God thanks for. They're so much easier to say, Lord, I don't like this, but I trust You. I trust that the end of this is going to be for my good and Your glory. And there are times that God allows us to go through the valleys for no other reason than to be a comfort to someone else who is going through a similar valley. Number four, He lets us go through the valleys so we can point others to God. This is a conditional one. This one only works if you and I remain faithful through the valley. Because people are watching our lives and they're seeing what we go through. There are people that look at our pain and our suffering and they watch and they say, how did they go through that? Were they the kind of folks that got bitter at God and departed from God and left God? I'll be real frank with you and I don't mind saying this. And I'm not even embarrassed about it. It's just a statement of fact. There have been times that God has allowed things in my life that have brought me so low that I was a hair's breadth away from leaving ministry and God and saying, I'm done. There are times we get to that point. I'm thankful in that moment of decision. I felt as the disciples did when Christ asked them, will ye also leave? And their response is, where would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where could we go but to the Lord? You know that there are times that God brings us through the valleys and allows them to come into our lives to give us opportunity to point men to Him. We've been praying in our church, many of us, God, give me opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, Be careful. That's That's a hard prayer to pray sometimes. Because He may bring it about in a way that we may not like. Oh, it's still a needful prayer, isn't it? But there may be times that God will put us through those things because He knows there's somebody watching me. They know He knows there's somebody watching you. That you claim to be a Christian. That you claim to go to church and love the Lord and read your Bible. And they're watching you. And when those trials come, they're watching. And as I've said so often before, we are that city set on a hill. They're going to see it either for good or they're going to see it for bad. They're going to watch your life. And can I tell you this, while we may not understand while we're in the valley, there's one thing I've learned, and the older I get in ministry, the stronger I feel about this. I can always trust God. I may not understand it, but I can always trust Him. And when I come out on that other side, not understanding, but trying to stay faithful, saying, Lord, I want to be faithful. There are people that see that. 
There are people that will look at that and say, boy, they must have a really great God to give that much grace, to get through that kind of a valley. What a great God they must have to point men to Christ. There are many examples in Scripture I could give you. Daniel certainly, I'm sure, did not enjoy being thrown into the lion's den. But look at the results. Nebuchadnezzar pulls him out of the fire, or Darius pulls him out of the, uh, I was saying the three Hebrew boys, which will be the other illustration we'll give. But Darius pulls Daniel out of the lion's den, and what does he do? He makes a decree for all nations and all the world that the God of Daniel is the one true God. Did he uplift and glorify Daniel? No. He uplifted and glorified Daniel's God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar throws into the fire. Did they enjoy going through the fire? No. Did they know God was going to deliver them? Yes, absolutely. They knew that God would deliver them either by death or by life, but either way they were delivered. By the way, there are times we may be in that situation, and that's God's choice, not ours. He may choose to deliver us by death or by life. There are times we've prayed for people to be healed, and God's taken them home. And we can say without any shadow of a doubt, they've been healed. Those Hebrew boys come out of the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree to all languages and all people. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He is the God. He is the one, the true, the only God. You ever thought of this, that there are trials, and I know we don't, we don't typically in the middle of the trial stop and try to be spiritual. You ever notice that? We don't think these thoughts in the middle of it. That's why it's good for us to learn this before we go through them. Because when we're in the middle of the trial, we don't stop and say, boy, I'm really glad God's doing this. He's going to get the glory. No, we're not there, are we? We're going through a trial. But people see it. God brings them into our lives sometimes for no other reason than to point someone to Him. You ever thought what kind of a compliment it is that God thinks highly enough of our character that He's willing to allow trials to come on our lives that He would not allow on other people's lives because He knows we will be faithful to Him? You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Well, that's what He did with Job, did He? Satan comes to walk before God. And God brags on Job. He says, As thou considered my servant Job, he's an upright man, one who skeweth evil. As thou considered my servant Job. Satan says, Well, sure, because you've blessed him, you know. God said, Okay, you can take everything away from him. You know why God did that? Because God knew Job would be faithful. What a testimony to Job's character. You ever thought of this? When God sends trials in your life, what a testimony to your character. That God could entrust you with that valley. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Well, I'll give you the last one and we'll be done. This one is one I love. It's found in 2 Corinthians Chapter number 12, 
And this is the Apostle Paul, who has certainly been afflicted. I mean, we would be remiss in saying that Paul was not probably one of the most afflicted men in Scripture, at least uh, that we have an account of and record of. He has a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what the thorn is. Some people think it was his eyesight. Some people think perhaps it was his physical appearance or some other physical malady. We don't know what it was, but one thing we do know, that it was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. We could use the word here, affliction, the, the buffeting. And notice what Paul says here. For this thing, verse number 8, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> I'll tell you this. That statement alone just tells us of the love and the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now notice what Paul says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. What? Paul, you enjoy them? Oh, maybe not the infirmity. But I certainly enjoy the power of Christ resting upon me. In reproaches. Paul, you enjoy reproaches? No. Not so much the reproach. But I rejoice in it because I get the power of Christ resting upon me. In necessities. Paul, do you like necessities? No. Persecutions? No. Distresses? For Christ's sake? No. But I rejoice in them that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now notice he says this, For when I am weak, or, or when I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, then am I strong. Where is Paul's strength coming from? The power of Christ. The fifth reason God brings valleys and trials into our lives is to give us His strength. When we rely on our own, God's strength is not given. When we decide we can do it all in our own power, in our own strength, God just sits by the sideline and doesn't get involved. But when we come to Him and say, Lord, I'm weak, I'm frail, I'm broken, it's during those times that he says, I'm going to let my power rest upon you. And I'll tell you this, I'd far rather, wouldn't you? I'd far rather have the power of Christ resting upon me than my own strength. And the older I get, the, the more I see that. Because my strength is waning. <laughs> my physical endurance, my mental endurance, my emotional endurance is waning. And I'll tell you this, I'd far rather have the power of Christ resting upon me. It, it's amazing that it's almost one of those paradoxes that it's only by getting weaker that we become stronger. It's only by us decreasing that He increases. 
It's one of those things that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but it's the truth of the matter. There are times we'll have valleys, we'll have trials come into our lives. And folks, I'll tell you this, it's not joyous, it's not fun. But we can rejoice in them because they are for our good and they are for His glory. So let's not be discouraged. Let's not, let's not get bitter at God. When, when those trials come, we ought to look at it and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have counted me faithful for this trial. That you believe that I am able to endure with your strength. Thank you for the opportunity. That we would come to him and say, Lord, teach me what you want me to learn from this. Help me to take what you put me through and help others. So many things that the trying of our faith does. So many things that the chastening of the Lord does for us. That we so often get bitter at, upset about, don't understand. And hopefully after today's time together, we at least understand part of what God's doing through these things. That we can rejoice in them, give thanks for them. And uh, then let's be useful. Let's edify each other and one another with them and point men to Christ. All right? Let's stand together if you're able. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, how it teaches and instructs and guides. Lord, there are times we struggle, we don't understand, we don't know why. But Lord, today you have shed a little bit of light on some of your reasons why you allow trials and afflictions thorns of the flesh to come into our life. Lord, may we be grateful for them. I pray that you would help us to remain faithful and to endure them as good soldiers. That we would come out on the other side being able to point men to you for your goodness and your grace and your comfort as you have carried us through them. That our strength would be made small and yours would be made great. Father, dismiss us with your blessings as we go through this week. May we be conscious of those souls around us that need to hear the gospel. May we accomplish your work your way. Lord, may you give us the grace as a Christian to live as we ought. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name.